Good afternoon. This is Nancy Nagdman, Director of Educational Services and a member of the Women in Leadership Steering Team. I'm pleased to be with two of our team health associates as we talk about our third installment of the Career Pathway podcast series. With me today is Deborah Reed, who is an emergency medicine physician assistant practicing clinically in the Norman Regional Health System. She created the TAC team within the West Group. Additionally, she developed and serves as the director of the EMAPC Fellowship Program, the only postgraduate fellowship for APCs in the state of Oklahoma and the first nationally for team health. She's a regional APC director for the West Group of Emergency Medicine, and she also serves as a secretary for the APC Council, the National Team Health APC Leadership Group, working to develop and advance APC practice. She's an active member of SEMPA. Also with me today is Dr. Khadisha Hay, who joined Team Health in 2012 and serves as the Facility Medical Director for five years and Regional Medical Director for almost two years before taking on the National Medical Director position as the National Medical Director of Obstetrics and Gynecology. Dr. Hay has extensive experience in managing hospitalist programs, coaching and training OBGYN hospitalists and medical directors, and in onboarding new OBGYN hospitalist programs. Additional skills include tracking and improving quality measures, training hospitalist staff as it pertains to nursing education, and implementing drills and simulations. Dr. Hay received her medical degree from Morehouse School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia. She completed her residency at Emory University in Atlanta, where she later served on the faculty and worked in the private practice division of the OBGYN department prior to becoming OBGYN hospitalist. Dr. Hay earned her MBA from the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, Tennessee. I have to say it's just a pleasure being able to spend time with the two of you today. Deborah, one of the things that we've talked about in these series of podcasts is just really what are the things across your career that have been most impactful. Do you mind sharing some highlights for the group? Sure. Thank, thank you, Nancy, for having me here today. Um, well, I've been an emergency medicine PA for 12 years. I was actually the first PA hired by my group at a time when there were only boarded physicians in the emergency department. So there was no standard template really for what APC practice looked like in emergency medicine. We really just kind of had to figure it out um, as we went along. And over time, as we acquired more and more contracts, I began looking at the different practice models that we had within our group to try to figure out what was the best practice for APC utilization. Since that time, <clears throat> I've worked to influence the structure and support around APC practice to try to advance our clinical roles and create leadership opportunities for APCs within the West Group. Um, additionally, five years ago, I was given the opportunity by Dr. Franz to create a postgraduate fellowship for APCs in emergency medicine. It was the only fellowship in Oklahoma, really the only one in the south part of the United States at that time, and it was the first fellowship nationally within Team Health. Currently, I'm working with Dr. Franz and Dr. Clower on fellowship expansion into other markets within the West Group and then nationally within Team Health. Thank you, Deborah. And and what I hear really resonates with um, Dr. Pease in her podcast and the fact that we talk about having a vision and really executing on it. And it seems many of the things that you talked about really is that visionary leadership. So I appreciate you tying those two pieces together. Dr. Hay, would you mind giving us an overview of your um, some career highlights for you as well? Yes, and thank you so much for having me as well. It's truly a pleasure to join you both this afternoon. Um, Really, you know, just going back to where I was before I became a hospitalist, as you mentioned in my um, career highlights, I was working um, at Emory University. That's where I trained, and I was working in their OBGYN, um, sorry, their private practice division. 
where I um, took care of patients in a you know, typical private practice setting. And, you know, given the grind and the hustle and bustle of that way of practicing, it really wasn't fulfilling. I just felt um, that I didn't have time to really take care of patients the way I wanted to. And, and the environment had become a little stressful over time. And I was looking for a way to be able to practice medicine that offered more flexibility and the time really to pursue some of my other interests. And that's how I ended up um, looking into OB hospital programs at the time. It was a brand new program being started up here um, in the Atlanta area. And when I joined, I was promoted to the facility medical director and was the first facility medical director for our hospital program here with Team Health. And um, shortly thereafter, probably about a year and a half into that role, um, I was promoted up to regional director where I oversaw several of our OB hospital programs and um, went on to become now the national medical director. And I think part of that just came from also having the time to pursue my MBA, which gave me the exposure and experience that I needed um, to you know, fulfill that role. And now having the opportunity to do that, um, you know, I've been instrumental in expanding um, and opening up new OB hospice programs across the country, um, which has been very fulfilling. That's that's wonderful, and and that really resonates with me with Sarah Sinclair when she was talking about this acquiring new skills. And it sounds like from some of your career highlights, it's this layering and this constant development. Um, what if you've ever been in a position where you, as Sarah says, about assuming a role in which you may not have all the skills needed yet? Um, what were some of your strategies for obtaining those? Absolutely. I can share with you, you know, when I was in the facility medical director role, I, you know, did have the vision and the goal of wanting to be in this position at some point. And, you know, when I'm looking at advancing my career and trying to figure out that pathway, the first um, step really is trying to figure out what you want to do, you know, having that, you know, five-year plan, 10-year plan of where you want your career to go and being honest with yourself about trying to pick a, a track that place to your strengths and, and things that you enjoy doing while still not, um, you know, locking yourself into doing things that you know you're already good at, but trying to find things that, you know, also will challenge you. And so I, I thought to myself, you know, what are the goals and where do I see myself in five years and what do I want to accomplish? And based on what I knew I wanted to accomplish and what I had determined was would be my ideal position, so to speak, um, you try to look at similar positions and think, okay, what are the, some of the skills that they have? Or if you know of a specific position that you want, what are the skills and requirements of that actual position, and look at where you are now and what it would take to get to that point. Um, and I think it's, it's important in those times to, one, not just focus on your deficiencies, but what your strengths are, and so how you can play up those strengths to acquire those skills, but then be honest with yourself about, you know, what it would take to get to that point. And in some cases, it might be an additional degree, which I felt was helpful in my case. But in other instances, um, you know, it might just be mentoring. It might be having conversations, and, um, you know, with others that are already in that role to find out, you know, what their pathway was and, and how they got there and seeing if you can, you know, even create some sort of apprenticeship. And so those are some of the ways in which um, I took to look at, the, you know, how to acquire those skills. And, um and actively sought them out. I think, you know, you can't take a passive role in those situations. And, um, you know, I also can't discount the importance of putting things in writing. I think that's also honestly the first step 
is what is my goal and what are the steps and working backwards to say, okay, how do I get to that point and putting it in writing and you're holding yourself accountable to pushing yourself to obtaining those roles and goals. And, you know, the other thing I think that's important is never turning down opportunities. Along the way, I was offered a number of different leadership training academies through the health system that I worked in. And even though I wasn't necessarily pursuing a role in the health system, that was a great way to, one, speak with others that are in leadership roles, um, but also, you know, great from a networking perspective and just getting others' perspectives, not just in the healthcare industry, but in other industries in terms of how they pursued um, their leadership roles. Thank you so much. That idea of mentorship is powerful and seeking that sponsorship and mentorship from many different areas as you articulated, I think is something that we really try to emphasize that doesn't have to be just in your your own backyard, but how can you look for those experiences? And making a plan also resonates with what Sarah had mentioned, treating your career as a project and, and creating a project plan for that. Deborah, I'm curious, how do you develop, what are some strategies you use when you're seeking to develop new skills? Well, you know, Sarah had talked about, you know, the process of starting a new role that you might not have the experience for. And and really, that was my personal experience while starting the fellowship. I first, um, you know, kind of had to figure out what I didn't know about it. And it turned out my knowledge gap on that was substantial because it was a relatively new concept. So um, I, you know, basically kind of started with my research had kind of like a big plan of, of what we wanted this to be at the end of it and kind of all the steps along the way to, to kind of get there. So I contacted all the program directors um, and evaluated their fellowship content of the existing programs. Um, I joined a fellowship committee through SIMPA with other directors to kind of figure out what was the, the best um, practice model. Um, and we kind of formed a committee to help craft guidelines on what postgraduate fellowships should look like in emergency medicine. Um, one of the other things was I, I um, obtained input and, and um, kind of got buy-in from local leadership um, through the directors of the state PA and NP programs, through the medical and nursing boards, through, um, you know, local leaders in trauma and emergency services to kind of get their input um, from the beginning. But it also, you know, allowed buy-in, which helped us, you know, to propel forward and, and get some momentum. Um, it took me the better part of a year to develop and implement the program. Um, right now, we're about to start our fifth class in March, and I and I truly believe that it, it has improved every year since we've started. You know, and not only has the program evolved over time, but personally, as the director, as the leader of this, you know, project, if you will, I believe I have as well. Um, and I think you have to apply the experiences and the challenges that occur, you know, and really use them as an opportunity to mold you into a better leader. That's great. And and that effective communication that I heard you talk about um, resonates with Dr. Peace's, uh, her her podcast when she says, you know, you, getting that stakeholder buy-in is so important. And it really seemed to play out in, in that program development for you. For both of you, I, I, di- I just really want to say and extend my appreciation for joining me on this podcast today. One of the things that we heard from many people when they interact with the Women in Leadership program is that they really do want to hear from their peers because that is where, you know, it's almost like this virtual mentorship that happens when we can share our stories. So, I, again, Dr. Hay, Deborah, thank you both so much for joining me here today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, and have a great afternoon.